What up, guys? It's T Bless from the Midwest. Yet again, you are tuned into my podcast talking about marriage relationships and pretty much whatever else on these topics comes to my mind. And so a lot of these episodes are about me and the epiphanies I have. And so it just so happens I had another epiphany. Now, for those who don't know, I really like metaphors and analogies. I really like stories that kind of help express and explain what you're talking about. And I have a dozen of these. But I thought of a new one today. Now, it's not an original, but I just kind of added on to it. So I'm going to give credit where credit is due. Patrice O'Neill is like a comedian turned relationship guru. And at one point in time, in, in like a, he has like a podcast type thing going on. He's talking about how women aren't the prize. Men are the prize because men are the lottery tickets. And I'm not debating either way whether or not he's right or not. But what I do want to mention is I realize you can expound on that to the extent where you can see how dating has changed over time. So shout out to my brother, because yet again, not an original idea. My brother told me that I should make an episode where I'm talking about the differences of how relationships have changed over time. And this is like the perfect example. So let's go through this, right? A lot of people talk about the old days, what your grandparents used to do and, oh, men were different back in the day. Okay, let's just say I agree with you, right? Now, my personal opinion is that, as I also saw in the podcast, men today are actually doing a lot better than their fathers and grandfathers were doing on pretty much every level, maybe not to the extent women want, but we're doing way better. Finances, emotional maturity, sensitivity, vulnerability, intimacy, sexual interests, like your grandfather wasn't eating no nothing. Forget groceries, he ain't eating nothing. He not going down to clam town at all. So I'm sorry. On multiple levels, men nowadays are doing better than our fathers and grandfathers. But this is the difference. See, your grandmother and women before your grandmother believed in staying with the man that they had chosen to be with. Divorce wasn't really a big thing, whether it was culturally or because of religion. People were not getting divorced. So let's go back to my metaphor. Your grandparents, your great grandparents, your foremothers got one ticket. I want you to imagine something. Maybe it's a church raffle. Maybe it's a publisher's clearinghouse or something, but they got a giant basket full of scratch-off lottery tickets. They say, all right, guys, we're going to shuffle this basket around and every woman in here gets to pick one ticket. Some of these tickets got $1, some of them got $10,000, some of them got $100,000, some of them got a million. But you only get to pick one. Now you can put the ticket back that you choose, but once you scratch it, that's it. That's your one ticket. So your grandmother would meet all of the boys in town. She'd have all these different suitors. And see, that's where women get confused because they hear all of this stuff about courting and they romanticize it. But the reality is 
Proximity is very relevant to relationships. Back in the day, the small town your grandmother and great-grandmother lived in, she knew pretty much every single eligible man in town. Once she got to being a teenager, they start sniffing around. So you have two, three, four, five different guys all trying to be with your grandmother, great-grandmother, want to marry her. Right? So she might date this guy and he might be cool and something might happen. Maybe he get hurt, break his leg, lose an arm, whatever. This other guy, she likes him, but then he leaves, he goes off to the military. This guy over here, he goes to college, he leaves town, he goes to a whole nother town. So who does she end up dating? The guy who's the son of the grocery store owner. Cause he's the only eligible one of the other ones, right? So like I said, you can put tickets back. Mm, I don't want this one. Mm, I ain't feeling it. I don't know. I'm not getting a good vibe. You put it back, but you only get one. So your grandma scratched that ticket off. And when she scratched it off, that's what she got. Whatever it said, a dollar, ten dollars, thousand dollars, whatever it said, that's what you get. Cool. So now we move on to like your mother and your aunt and you know women of the 80s 90s and early millennia right during this time in this metaphor in this analogy some woman said excuse me uh i don't think that's fair it doesn't make sense that i can put the ticket back but i can't pick more than one ticket i have all this money you said we have to buy the eligibility to get tickets, I should be able to get more than one ticket. Now, what is it that she's purchasing these tickets with? Well, if you've heard about the dating marketplace or the sexual marketplace, that's what women have. That's how attractive are you? How attractive do men believe you are, perceive that you are? How impressed men are, blah, blah, blah. This is all dynamics based off of our society, our culture, you know, all of that jazz, right? So cool. So you got one through 10, sometimes 11 and 12, right? So cool. If we're going on a one through 10 scale, however much you are on that scale determines how much you have. So a woman is like, well, I got all this. So I should be able to get more than one ticket, right? If I get a ticket and I don't want it, I should be able to get another turn. So someone said, you're right. There's plenty of tickets in here. You know, and not all the women out here are even playing. Some of them just chose to not play at all. Some of them don't want a rat to participate in a raffle. So, sure, you can get more than one. So during the 90s, 80s, early millennia, what women were doing was picking one, looking at it, scratching it off and going, nah, that ain't it. So this is the divorce era, you know, and I think it was really around like the 70s that a lot of people are claiming was when the divorce boom just went nuts. And I think because of that sort of change where it was like okay to get divorced and alimony and child support and government assistance are becoming a thing, women are going, I don't really need you, but I want you. But if I want you, I want the right one. So she'll reach in, pull out five tickets realize that each one of them was ten dollars and go i don't want that and so now this is what's happening during this time period 
some women don't want to play all day. They want to pick out one or two tickets and they're done. Some women are going to max out. They're going to spend all their money trying to get the best one. And they might get it on the first round and they might not get it at all. Some women are going to play a couple times and they're like, look, I'm not going to do this all day. I done already pulled five, ten dollar ones. I'm going to play one more time. And whatever I get, that's what I'm sticking with. And so she pulls out another one and she goes, well, anything over ten dollars is good. So this says ten thousand dollars. So cool. I'm going to stick with that. Again, don't forget that this analogy is referring to men getting married as these lottery tickets. Cool. We understand. Cool. Moving on. So then you have women who can max out to the extent as much as they want. So they just keep playing, keep playing, keep playing because they've already decided until I get this hundred thousand dollar ticket. So I get this million dollar million dollar ticket. I'm gonna just keep playing. So that's what they do. Keep playing, keep playing, keep playing, keep playing, keep playing, keep playing. And this goes into that whole danger zone, no man's land thing that Kevin Samuel started that a lot of people are talking about now. Excuse me, ma'am. We are going to close at four o'clock. After four o'clock, we're done. So whatever you've gotten by four o'clock, that's all you getting. Every one of these is $10. Every one of these is $100. Ma'am, you $100 is good when you came up. And then also, like, you got a bunch of $100 tickets here. Look, this one says $1,000 on it. I don't want $1,000. I want $100,000. Okay, well, either way, you got 20 minutes. Because we closing up at 4. So that's women getting up in age. Mm, You getting up in age, ma'am. You need to hurry up and pick something before you don't got no options or stick with one of these less, less valuable ones that you've already gotten. You got people who think they got a whole bunch of money. Oh, man, I know I left. the I know I left the house with with some money. Well, I mean, that sounds nice, but it look like you only got a dollar on you so you can only play. However much a dollar is worth in tickets. That's the people who don't realize that over time they're losing value. Men and women. Mm, you came in here thinking you had this much, but you really got this much now that we're here and we can tell you face to face. Cool. So let's move on to the next generation. The millennials. During the 10s and 20s, we are now seeing this new thing which is very interesting to me. These young girls are going up to the basket, fly, you know, dolled up from head to toe, lace front, long fingernails, flashy fit, heels, BBLs and fake lips, and going, excuse me, how much is this ticket worth? What? How much is this ticket worth? You got to scratch it off to find out. No, 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 no. CCC, what you told me was that I can pull more than one ticket if I want to, but I know I only came in here with so much money and I only got so much time. And I don't feel like playing this game all day long. So I'm trying to scratch like one, maybe two tickets and be done. 
So tell me how much this ticket is worth. And the dude is sitting here looking at her like, I can't tell you how much is on the ticket. I don't know. No one knows. That's the point. You scratch it and then it's just whatever luck you get. And so they sitting over here trying to do everything they could think of. They going to talk to the pastor. They praying in the church. They trying to manifest. They trying to read relationship books and watch podcasts about relationships from different gurus. They trying every single trick. They calling people. They asking questions. They trying to bribe the ticket makers. They trying to do any and everything they can think of to ensure that this one choice is the right ticket. I ain't scratching all the tickets. I'm looking for $100,000 ticket or more, and I'm only scratching that one, and I don't want none of the rest. Well, you, I mean, you don't have to play. No, I'm going to play. Okay, well, then scratch the ticket. I'm not scratching it until I know how much is on it. So what is that? That relates to how women are now asking a million and one questions, trying to verify and validate a man before they even want to get in a relationship with you, let alone get married. Where do you work? What do you do? How much money do you make? How much of this money that you make are you willing to pay for me? Because what I want is for you to pay all my bills and I can just, you know, work if I feel like it, but if not, kick up and live a luxurious life. Or at the very least, be a stay-at-home mom. Because I don't like the idea of having to have a job and I don't like the idea of having to take care of myself. So how much do you make? Because you need to make at least enough to take care of both of us. You know, or women who are sending these crazy messages like, you want my phone number or my name? Here's my cash app. Hey, it's my birthday. Here's my cash app. Hey, if you really want to celebrate with me, getting a new job, a new apartment, a new car, whatever, here's my cash app. Oh, you want to be happy about the fact I graduated from college, got my degree, got my certification, whatever, here's my cash app. Because they don't want to, we don't need to do all of this getting to know you and all of that. All I need to know is how much money is on this ticket. And so this is the interesting thing about this, right? Number one, I'm very curious where the next generation is going to go. As my brother says, most times the pendulum swings all the way to the other extreme. So my theory and my belief is that the next couple of generations are going to start seeing the things that women are doing in this generation and going, I don't want no parts of that. And I would expect that like the kids who are not yet teenagers When they get to being in high school and college, they're going to flip sides and be extremely sensitive, vulnerable, and emotional to men. And it's going to become what it used to be when I was growing up. Girls didn't care. They'll chase men. Girls didn't care. They'll tell you they like you. They want you. They won't date you. When I was growing up, that was that was not a problem. I'm that's my expectation. But we're gonna see. But back to this metaphor, right? What's interesting is in egalitarian society, for whatever reason, women um, don't oftentimes, and really, matter of fact, it's not even about whether it's men or women, because this is really with everybody, right? The egalitarian society is supposed to make it an even playing field for everyone. In an egalitarian society, referring to this metaphor, you're supposed to not know You're supposed to pull a ticket, 
scratch it off and get whatever you get. So women are supposed to, as they've continuously been saying throughout the generations, fall in love. You're supposed to emotionally connect with this person, realize that you all are compatible, that you have similar morals and values, that you can see a life with them. And you have no idea how much this is going to cost. You have no idea what type of lifestyle you and this man are going to be able to have until you get into it. And over time, you'll see that things will get better or they'll get worse because that's what happens. Life has ups and downs. So you meet this guy. He's got a lot of money. But later on in life, he's got less. Or you meet this guy who has no money. But later on in life, he has a lot. You're just supposed to ride the wave. But that's not what women want to do. Women want to go, I just scratched this ticket off an hour ago and it was worth $10,000. But then I saw this girl walk by and she got a $100,000 one and I want to know if I can get another one. Women want to know up front exactly how much money you got. They don't want to, mm no, uh-uh. I'm not riding the wave. I'm not going to make this money stretch. And what's interesting to me about this idea that women are like, no, I want to know. I'm not, we're not leaving this up to fate. I want to control my own fate. I don't want to just wait and see what happens. I want to know as soon as I meet you. That's not what happens in Disney movies. That's what's so interesting to me is a lot of women talk about how when they were children, Disney movies are the reason why they see this. You also continuously hear, even nowadays, even recently, I think maybe as recent as yesterday, I heard a girl talking about, I want princess treatment. Treat me like a queen. This is Disney folklore vernacular. This is where these girls are getting this from, from Disney. But what's interesting is like, none of these princesses knew they was marrying a prince. Sleeping Beauty was literally walking through the forest, started singing with some dude and did not even know that he was the prince, nor that she was already supposed to be marrying him. Snow White did not know he was a prince. I'm pretty sure I could be wrong about that one, but I don't think she knew. Cinderella definitely didn't know. Unless you are misinterpreting, but let me let me let you know what actually happened. In every single version, Cinderella goes to the ball and falls in love with the first dude she dances with and doesn't even know he's the prince until he shows up at her house. And even when he shows up, she's still freaking out like, I don't really know if I'm actually going to go down here and tell him the truth or not. At some point in time, and this part kind of changes, is she eventually gets down here to finally be like, yep, let me try the shoe on. And even then, she's still nervous like, What's going to happen? What my stepmama going to do after I put this shoe on and everybody find out it's really me? You feel me? None of them. Aladdin, he was not a prince. When she found out that he wasn't a prince, which she figured out very quickly in the movie, she was still talking to him. But at no point in time in any of these movies does the woman actually know the guy's a prince up front. Why is it that women only focus on certain parts of Disney movies? It's like they focus on the glamour and the royalty and the flash and flair of the idea of being a princess. Or they focus on like the fact that a man will 
chase you and fight for you and go through all kinds of obstacles and turmoil just to be able to kiss you just be in your presence he fall in love immediately and you're automatically the most amazing thing in the world but they skip like the whole storyline it's it's mind-boggling as i've said before lion king is like pretty much the only one where it's just right there in front of your face that is obvious nala come to town because she know like you're the prince you're supposed to be king come back to town also, we were supposed to marry each other. And when I was a kid, I wasn't for it. But now I'm grown and I am. I'm trying to be the queen. All the rest of them, that's not what happens. I cannot remember if Eric was a prince or not. Clearly, I need to watch The Little Mermaid again. In any case, Ariel did not know who Eric was. She didn't know who he was, what his occupation was, what he was doing. So where did this idea come from of like, ah, I'm going to scratch this ticket. I'm going to get the winning ticket up front. Like I said, Patrice O'Neill kind of talked about it. He's like, well, you know, men are the prize because women are scratching the ticket. Because the reality is what women are doing is trying to pick the best man financially because they want to have a specific lifestyle. And if they can find and attract and hold on to the right man, it determines pretty much everything else that happens in your life beyond the moment of meeting him. And how grandiously like large the difference is between women's lifestyles just based off of which man you pick. But the reality is you're not supposed to be picking him for that reason. You're supposed to be picking him for emotional connection and compatibility. And then whatever comes with it, you know, it's it's really supposed to be like coming to America. This guy's great. I really like him. But then I find out oh, he's a prince. Yay. But that's not what women want. You know, on a man's side, it's not really the same. Yes, it does bring value if she has a certain income. But for the most part, what men are really focused on isn't my lifestyle and how luxurious it is and what all I can do and what all I can buy, but how peaceful my life is going to be. So men are picking women to determine that. How much peace or, or lack thereof is there going to be when I pick this woman? So I don't know. One part of me says, ladies, choose wisely. But I already know you're not going to choose wisely. And you're going to take advantage of the fact that you can just keep pulling and picking and pulling until you get the ticket you want. I guess really what my advice, my suggestion would be is. It's going to sound cliche, but you got to lower your standards because you need to understand the value that you not only the value you have, but the value you've gained. You know, not everybody's going to get a $100,000 plus ticket. Some of y'all going to get 10000 Be happy with the 10000 There's nothing wrong with that. You walked in here with, with nothing. Now you got 10000 Like, be realistic and be happy with what you got. Value people for what you got. And the other thing, really, that's a key there's more value to men than just money. I saw a video today where a girl was talking about a man being an electrician. 
It was uh, the eight at the table. She's talking about how a man who doesn't make so much money would still bring value if he has some type of benefit to that household. So, for example, if he's an electrician, you're going to save a lot of money because he understands how things work. I would say the same thing. You know, you got a handyman, you got a, a mechanic, a plumber, whatever. He's going to bring a lot of value to your household because of all of the things he knows how to do. A professor, a teacher, a nurse, a doctor. But the reality is it's not just in the tangible. There is also much more intangible value that people bring, men and women. I think people don't value each other on the same level they used to. And that's an issue. Because, I mean, as you can see from the metaphor I just told, you keep comparing yourself to your grandparents. Your grandparents was living a totally different type of lifestyle. You don't want to be them. You know, this idea of, oh, I want a, I want a traditional man. No, you don't. Because if you was living that lifestyle, you would have one choice and one choice only. That's why your grandmother and your mother and your great-grandmother were different because they knew how to take nothing and turn it into something. Cat Williams. Nothing and turn it into something. If you don't know that Cat Williams reference, I'm sorry. But anyways, they knew how to bring the value of a man out of them. You know, pull water from a stone. Women nowadays... Number one, don't know how to do it. And number two, don't want to do it. They don't care how to do it because they don't feel like doing it. I'm like, a lot of women, I don't think you realize the reason why you think your grandfather is so amazing is because of your grandma. That's this thing you not even, you haven't even peeped. You living as a child. You five years old when your grandfather is in his 60s and 70s. You don't even have the clarity or the God's eye to observe who this man really is. All you see is the strong, manly, burly, tough, take no ish guy who who's been giving you coins for your birthday and money and and dresses all nice and got the salt and pepper hair and walk you down the street wearing a three piece suit. And it's a Wednesday who got all of this wisdom and advice and you just like, oh, man, my grandpa, man, he telling you all these stories and you just romanticizing them like, oh, this is so wonderful. And you don't know, this man was never this guy he made himself seem like now. Your grandmother brought this out in him. Your grandmother helped him to become the man he is. He's so great because of her. You wouldn't even think he was that great if you knew him back in the day. So realize what you got in your hands. Realize the value that's in front of you instead of trying so hard to determine if this person has enough value for you to even want to talk to them, which already seems goofy to me because the reality is. Just because you want this person and they have all this value doesn't mean they want you. Just because this person will entertain you for a little while, have sex with you, take you on a few dates, fly you out for a vacay, doesn't mean they're going to marry you. Doesn't mean you're going to get to enjoy any of this value. So like, you know, as a people, all people, at least in the Western world, we need to learn how to love and appreciate and value each other more. 
All right. That's all I'm going to say on this.